was uh, that was the uh, rock and sounds of uh, famous um, alt rock musician uh, Ed O'Brien finally stepping out uh, from the band at Radiohead to uh, become his own man in music. Yes, it's long long anticipated by the Radiohead fan base that Ed Ed's Ed's solo album Ed being kind of the the heartthrob of the group. Yes, I always wanted Tree Fingers, the album, and here we have it. Yes. Uh, yeah, um, and that minute is representative of the entire song. Nothing else happens. And uh, I assume the album's going to be pretty much like that. And, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny because he seems like sort of the least... Um, uh, I don't know. He He seems like the most socially normal member of Radiohead, so... It's uh, it's funny that he's apparently going to be the most abstract in his solo work. So there you go. Well, that's the kind of person that that's like, you know, they always go way abstract with their art, you know, mm -hmm. a little too pretentious um, when you're the normal person. Uh, but uh, yeah, it just shows that Ed is when you write awesome songs and compose awesome songs, uh, Ed is a great person to have, uh, making some cool ass sounds on those songs. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you think he, yeah, that's crass. <laughs> Do you think he got the most play out of being a member of Radiohead with the ladies? I... Well, yes. <laughs> I definitely can't see Johnny or, or like Phil just like laying it down at a party. Um. No, no, especially since Phil's been bald since the beginning. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that um, I had a Tom point. Tom might of, get it in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think well, he does now with his like <laughs> cool Italian girlfriend. Um, yeah. Uh, I, what was I going to say about Ed? I, Ed. Uh, he does he, he is responsible for many of the coolest sounds on Radiohead's albums um like the beginning of Lucky uh, mm. as being the most uh uh perhaps immediate example um it's a good one yeah famous yeah yeah uh and many more but i have nothing else to say about this absolutely except that everyone but Colin has now made a solo effort from radiohead um, yeah colin i think is too busy just listening to old funk records He's yes and like guesting as a bass player in like various modern classical jazz ensembles yeah all right joe pitchfork uh has told us what the best 200 albums the last 10 years are they are paul and the neither of us has looked at it until this yeah. moment so we're gonna react together yeah are uh, we starting at the top because i mean who cares what number 192 is oh no hell no we're gonna start at number one whoop all one page big advance in web design for them okay i'm, I'm clicking through wait I, I gotta scroll down yeah man remember the days of the little 10 9 8 7 6 5 well yeah i would have to scroll less wow okay i'm not there yet all right. I'm not there. Damn it, Paul. It's taking forever to scroll. What Just if I never the, get there? Grab the bar and drag, bitch. God damn it. You're right. No, the bar disappeared. Why? Oh, fuck. Get off a of Mac. I'm down. What, I'm what down. browser are you I'm using? I'm down at the bottom. All right. 
Um, yes, actually, this is it's. I should have said it. I, this was my guess. Oh, really? Uh, perhaps because of some leading tweets. Um, Frank Ocean's Blonde, number one, so, number one album. Was this even the best of their 2016 list? I mean, not that such inconsistency would be unexpected or uh, unprecedented for them. Yeah, I read. I mean, I read along. There have been some fairly in-depth statistical analyses of this list, and uh, you know, a lot of <laughs> albums changed position. There's oh, a yeah. lot of albums that were in the top ten of their year that, like, really, I think, were way low or maybe even didn't make the list. Yeah, um, which people justified by like changing. I mean, as we've said on this podcast, like, you know, your critical perception of something evolving yeah. uh, is good. Well, yes. The funniest example, though, is I remember they did their fir- best of the first half of the aughts. So they released that in like 2000, late 2004 or something. Or I don't know. Anyway, it, their best of 2004 was, um, I think it was the Arcade Fire album or something. And then, like, immediately afterwards, they did their best of the half decade, and Arcade Fire was way lower, like, within weeks of each yes. other. <laughs> that was, um, yes. So that cracked me up at the time. So that's why I've said not unprecedented for that. <laughs> I, remember, looking... I remember that cracking you up. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, uh, this is how long we've been complaining to each other about Pitchfork. Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Um, by the way, I saw JPEG Mafia on Monday, and he went out of his way to complain about Pitchfork 2. So. That's awesome. What did he say? Um, you know, I was uh, half dead from exhaustion, but um, uh, he, I think he called them a bunch of Condé Nast bitches. Um, and uh, I think he just said he, he complained that they called him politically incorrect or something like that. Something along those lines, anyway, which he was like, yeah. Um, so... Uh, I don't know. That was a great show. We'll get into that. Anyway, yeah, this, I'm looking. This list is fucking garbage. <laughs> like I'm looking at their 2016 list. By the way, Blonde was number uh, six that year, and that was the year that we were both pissed that, of course, the greatest album of the 2010s, um, uh, Car Seat Headdress, uh, Teens of Style, or is it Teens of Denial? I can't even remember anymore. Um, was like number 22 or something. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean this, yeah, which is still, I uh, can't even get into that. Um, yeah. won't, won't repeat that, but there's this, you know, Frank Ocean, Kanye, Beyonce, Kendrick, yeah. I mean, Kendrick, of course, but like then this is the worst Kendrick album. Though. Weird Fiona Apple. Like, yeah, which I own that album. It's not that amazing. No. And then like, and then Solange Vampire Weekend, that album is great. So is that Kanye album for that matter? But yeah, yes. but then Body Talk, yeah, D'Angelo, well, and then another Frank Ocean in the top ten, and it's just yeah, you know, there's a lot of pop here. We get to Rihanna, Rihanna, then, oh my god, Drake at number thirteen. It's just like no, this is like at some point you have to be able to reflect and see that the list you're putting together is um, far yeah. too reflective of the current moment. Yes. Um, that it is like an actual, in, you know, thoughtful, critical yeah. uh, analysis and um, retrospective of the decade. And uh, I'm just scrolling up until I find damn since they already did the two extremely excellent. But uh, uh, if you ask me, inferior uh, Kendrick albums do to do. Oh, Big Thief UFOF comes in at 33. Um, yeah, these are you know, this is like. 
you know, I see, I see Beach House and, uh, you know. I mean, I guess they just like pop way more than I do. I mean, Charlie XCX, I, she's a fine pop star. She wouldn't even come remotely close to any list I was making. Yeah, I just don't, I don't think that, you know, this uh, surrender to pop is like really benefiting anyone. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I liked having um, a a really well written and really um, adventurous critical outlet for indie culture, and they just don't give a shit anymore. That's I mean, fine, I guess. I guess you know, anticipating that the list would be like this, I you know thought about it, and it's like, well, you know, they Pitchfork began as you know almost exclusively indie rock, and they they put such you know they wrote some. Uh, you know, obtuse and bizarre oh, some... and dark <laughs> yes. and nonsensical reviews. It was just so... F- and and certainly offensive, too, I'm sure. Yes. There's and, lots of awful stuff in there. And it was a lot of it was great, too. And you're like... Yeah. And as, you know, you, you can't help but be tempted to be like, okay, apply a little of that to other genres. Like, take it to pop, yeah. you know, like, like find a few cool pop albums that fit in there. But then that just like takes over the beast and obviously they bought got bought by Condé Nast and became yeah. more of a uh you know mainstream content farm so there's that but like uh, you know that there's none of the original uh you know true uh critical mission of it still there now it's just all you know i would say it shows up in- of the critical mission yeah, I would say it shows up in individual reviews. Like, their review of the Nick Cave album that we're going to talk about was like, it's one of the old hands of the Pitchfork staff, and yeah. uh, it's it's definitely from that perspective. But um, the the consensus lists, um, they just, God damn, Bad Bunny is on this list. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, you know, whatever. There's no point in complaining about it. I guess I'd... It's not so much that I wish Pitchfork would be something other than what Pitchfork wants to be, is that I wish something else would be what I want Pitchfork to be. Well, I you guess, know? yeah, I guess there's, you know, uh, man, there's so many things here. There's so many things. I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe we were we were the twenty somethings when we first started complaining about Pitchfork, but when we actually liked it and it really reflected our music taste and. I mean, maybe this is what the most discerning, you know, musical uh, taste, I want to say taste makers and taste consumers. What's the, what's below a taste? The most, um, most uh, thoughtful taste, consumers. Tasters? I don't know. The most um, elitist uh, yeah. um, listeners to of music now consider the best, like, genres. I mean, maybe. Yeah. The Joe and Paul now just really do think, um, I mean, obviously thinking Kendrick is among some of the best music ever is totally reasonable. And yeah, maybe they're just like, they're into Solange the way we were into uh, Modest Mouse or Kid A. <laughs> yeah, no, they are. And that, again, that's okay. But like, these are the most popular acts in the world. Like I want, I want yes. the, the outlet for the weird stuff. Like, like, just you can't tell me that Beyonce is as inventive as, um, uh, or as, uh, I don't know. I like Beyonce fine. 
Um, but like even this, I'm looking at number 116 is Janelle Monae's The Arch Android. If you're going to go all pop, I have to insist that this album be higher on yeah, the list. Yeah, that album is better than several of the pop albums in the top 20. Exactly. Here. It's a fucking great album. It's fucking weird as hell. Yeah. Um, that's just the the i don't i don't i don't want to just be celebrating rihanna with uh, as the best ever like come on <laughs> yes i agree and you know there's there's just a lot of um the, giving credit to pop artists for performing their craft well is yeah. not a something that requires this level of uh effort this is the, this is the oscars of music at this point basically yes thank you there we go that hits it i mean that's it that hits it there's just no you know it's 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 blockbusters and it's like the yeah. you know uh well-funded um kind of popular artistic endeavor yeah and i mean like the oscars some of the things they honor are great like franco that frank ocean album is excellent but i just you know um yeah and to come yeah. back to and it looks like carsey hedris is in the top thank thank god uh, maybe like top one fit wait I, I just swung i went by it too fast 127 there you go um that's fine whatever and i think what um I think you know look at number 80 is you know Aphex Twin Syro mm-hmm. um which we discussed uh say last last, last week but we do not <laughs> no. have a weekly podcast anymore um uh I don't know like I think that's clearly better than Beyonce yeah and yeah. I I I I know that Man, I guess that's just the minority opinion, but that's kind of the point of yeah. fucking Pitchfork. <laughs> it used to be it's anyway. The, it's the minority opinion, and it's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Bring back elitism. Make elitism great again. Yeah, but you know, or elite again. As we talked in our pre-show chatter, there's there's so many considerations now in in music criti- criticism that have changed from when um, we were uh, cheering on uh, like a dozen white males who were writing Pitchfork. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> Brent Dickerskinsale, long may he live. Um, but, wow, uh, Joe. Yeah. The most elite weirdo indie thing is probably to have your opening segment be 15 minutes long, and we have once again achieved that. I'm not done complaining about this. Damn it! <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. You know, I'm. I can say. Uh, uh, I think I'll just bring it back to Frank Ocean. Um, mm-hmm. That's a great. That is a great album. Frank Ocean is a fantastic singer, songwriter, inventive, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. singular. Uh, but um, I fail to perceive within his music, um, outside of a few crafted moments, um, that true connection, you know, he, unique expression of some original angle of emotion um which which that that and and instead see someone who's very good at powerfully and thoughtfully 
um, conveying things the way they are often conveyed in pop music. And he does it better than maybe anyone uh, these I'm, days. But I'm going to give him more credit than that. I, I think I like him more than that. But uh, so like I actually don't mind that as a number one choice. If that's your taste, fine. I it's mostly just the <laughs> the sheer no, like uh, yeah the Drake at number like twelve is much worse. Drake Drake is fucking egregious. I mean Drake is fine party music, but for Pitchfork to be putting that up there is fucking crazy to me. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean the guy, emotionally speaking, the guy is a thirteen year old, and. All of his songs sound the same. It's a pretty good song, but um, I just, the, the, no, I refuse. <sighs> That's all I have to say. Yeah. Um, well, Paul, I was to end this there. I think there's no better way to put it than their um, best of the 2000s list uh, has Radiohead's Kid A at number one. Um, and let's just say that if Kid A had come out in the 2010s, it would not be number one. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be coming in at a strong 37 or something like that. Yes. Um, Ugh. How do they even put the Less Good Lord album in the top 15? Jesus Christ. Let's let's end with reading their tops of the the 2000s. Uh, Oh, yeah. Radiohead Kid A, Arcade Fire Funeral. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Another inconsistency because, again, it was way lower in the first half of the decade. (laughs) Daft Daft Punk Discovery. Well, that's okay. Like Funeral Growing in yeah yeah in stature is all right with me uh daft punk's discovery wilco yankee hotel foxtrot that's the most overrated indie album ever Jay- but anyway go jay-z's on. the blueprint uh the moon in Ar- antarctica at number six man that Excellent. would be like 243 <laughs> <laughs> no kidding uh the strokes is this it uh uh-huh. okay mm-hmm. panda bears person pitch not Paul's favorite Um, and number 10 the avalanche is since i left you Um, that's a decent top 10 and 11 goes face killer i mean that's a good top 10 there is the best pop probably what they think is the best like uh rap album of the decade in there yeah and um yeah wait was it were any of those like a just big tent uh not rock not rap pop star i didn't think so no daft punk is probably the most popular which is the but but even that is like pitchfork choice exactly yeah 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 that's exactly how what it is what's funny yeah huh would be the daft punk choice that's how we'll end it like what would be the more Um, pitchfork like the current i mean probably grimes maybe i don't know yeah that's true grimes is up there it feels like grimes is a more set like that would be if the pitchfork of old was doing yeah uh, the the top album yeah, well, she made 11 in this list. So. Yes, uh, she would be number one, I feel like, in 10 years yeah. ago, if somehow they maybe those people. If, 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 the, if the current fixation on pop were transferred to the indie fixation of old, yeah, I think I, I, think I see what you're saying. Well, no, I mean, I mean more that, like, if the Pitchfork sensibilities from 2010, when they made yeah, the yeah. 2000s list, yes, yeah, Grimes yeah. would probably be in the top three. Yeah, and the, by far the number one pop album. Um, we've talked about this too much, Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, lists are now meaningless. Well, you know, um, I think this is a realization every young man has to come to. Yeah, and here we are. Yeah. Um, damn, that would seem more like an angry rant. 
yeah. than I wanted In 10 to more be. years, do you think that Pitchfork will just be like, it'll be the Grammys presented by Pitchfork? Pretty much, yes. <laughs> There's no going back. Oh, man. Um, yeah, maybe oh, wait. Televised Pitchfork Awards. That's what I want to see. Yes. <laughs> Let's. Yes. My God. It's actually kind of surprising they don't at least have a webcast of that. Um, no one would watch that. Uh, I don't know. Somebody would. Um, maybe that's the true. The true. <laughs> Joe, we should make the webcast of the Pitchfork Awards. Yes. <laughs> maybe that's the true. Like the the true root of this cause. Like root root of this cause. Nope. Root of this issue. Whatever. Yeah. The truth here is no one cares about Pitchfork anymore. So this is just sort of a the clawing. At yeah the, um at the main it is funny you know for all of their mainstream humping i will try to explain to people my taste who are like not into indie at all and i'll be like yeah it's you know the kind of stuff that pitchfork reviews and eight and a half times out of ten they have no fucking idea um what pitchfork is so uh mission not accomplished <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> um, well, they all know what Savage Beast is. Well, that's true, because so, I tell them. Yeah. Because uh, I have it tattooed on my face. Oh, no, because we're the most famous music podcast in the world. Yes, yes, and you don't stop. Cool ID, best rapper, you don't stop. Another fucking hundred fucking dollar for the stop for you and your mom. Come on, yeah. You can never define anything but divine love. I'm a Savage Beast. Slightly above average, at least not. Preference is relative. My references consistently uh, bring you to another vicinity. I hit you with the riddles consistently. Dead in the middle, a little triply. Little did we know that we triggered a fissure in the metaphysical imagery. Elegant painted in oil. Love is a flower. See how dissolving the power is dissolving the hours as well. The tower bell at the top of it. Uh, and welcome to Savage Beast, if you stuck with us this far. Uh, I'm, I'm Joe Gallagher. Uh, with me, as always, uh, doing whippets in the men's room at Hamilton with Chastin Buttigieg. It's Paul McLeod. Is that how you say it? I want it, I always just, I never heard it said aloud. I just pronounced it chasen, like the verb. Oh, I thought you were asking if that's how you say Buttigieg. Um, no, nobody knows how to say that. I would never ask. I would ask. say Ch- Chastin would be my instinct, but mm. um, I li- like the- I li- yeah, chasing is just a funny word anyway. So yeah, I guess it's like—is it some weird derivative of chase, or is it like some weird derivative of like chastity? I don't know. Yeah, I was thinking chastity myself. Um, is it kind of a dumb name? Yeah. Yeah. But is he kind man. of a dumb president candidate? <laughs> yeah. Is it is it the perfect name for like the first first husband of the U.S.? Yes. That, that would be so great for. <laughs> it's very veep. I mean, Pete Pete Buttigieg is like so veep. So veep. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Uh, it really would be good to see, like, you know, how they uh, have him behind the scenes just, like, being crazy. Anyway. Um, He's going to be the VP. He's, if the if there's a Democrat in the White House, I think Pete Buttigieg is going to be the VP. That would be, be interesting. Cool. I wonder, though, if they'll be, like, you know, we're already – If I, I wonder if they'll want the gay thing to be an issue they have to deal with. Who knows? Hmm. Yes. Well, it's an issue we deal with here on this podcast all the time. Um, the tension is thick. <laughs> like, speaking of uh, <laughs> being around a bunch of sweaty men, yeah, 
I have to um, commend anybody who has the chance to go to a 16 and up show of JPEG Mafia mm. in the uh, suburbs to do so. Because um, that, as soon as I, I went and saw him uh, on Monday, five days ago or whatever, and uh, it was the first show of his tour, which is probably why it was sold out and I had to pay over $100 after fees to get in. Mm. Um, and uh, as soon as I got onto this like dank strip mall club, that didn't even like have a good sound system up in Scottsdale. Uh, I looked around and realized that this show was going to be uh, completely fucking insane because it was just already everybody packed uh, shoulder to shoulder and there were no lights <coughs> to speak of at all. And um, everybody looked like a skater kid. And uh, yeah, as soon as the um, uh, hype DJ at the beginning came out and just started playing like you know the harder versions of top 40 rap uh it was a non-stop mosh pit so um i just wanted to tell everybody that i survived uh the most intense uh concert crowd experience i've ever had in my life and it was jpeg mafia so check so, it out so you you uh sent me a picture and kind of indicated that it was just all w- white Dudes. And some Mexican. We are in Arizona, but yes. Do you feel Do you feel like JPEG is like particularly like appealing to the white suburban like like hip hop fan? I think he has like I think yeah he's he's basically uh, the modern version of punk, and I think those that is still the punk uh, demographic mm-hmm. is the suburban disaffected seventeen year old. Did he comment on the crowd at all? No, he didn't. And in fact, uh, you know, he his opener was um, a fellow. Uh, black man from Baltimore, and uh, they uh, they were all full of admiration and love for the crowd. So um, the racial makeup was either not noticed or uh, not an issue for them. Um, but uh, yeah, they um, <laughs> you know the opener well, came J- out. JPEG Mafia doesn't see race. <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm sure not. <laughs> <laughs> not the man who wrote a song called. I just killed a cop. Now I'm horny. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. Oh, uh, some other details. He has two mics. You know, one of them has the uh, auto tune effect on it. Mm. And uh, he calls that one Obama. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that rules. So that was great. Um, he stage dived a couple times. The first time he complained that the crowd was actually too thick and he could not jump in. So, um, I mean, I really want to emphasize that, like, I was fucking crushed the entire time in this concert, and mm. I am a very fit person and, uh, uh, you know, of reasonable size, and um, uh, it was a, a physical battle that reminded me of descriptions I've read of ancient Greek hoplite phalanxes coming against each other <laughs> um, <laughs> the entire time. Uh, you know, at, at the, the crowd would, like... Sw- get swaying uh, back and forth where, you know, some asshole on the right side would start pushing. And then literally over on the left side, I would, you know, be stumbling uh, several steps to stay on my feet. And then we would all rush back the other way. Um, I was legitimately concerned that this is the kind of place that somebody dies. Um, But eventually they got a security guard up uh, watching the crowd so that if anybody fell down, hopefully something could be done. But, um, uh, it was great. I did get to touch Peggy's abs as he uh, floated above me on the crowd. Mm. Um, they were fine abs, indeed. Uh, 
Um, and uh, uh, I also want to say, both for him and the opener, um, absolutely zero recorded vocals, uh, all done through uh, the mic. That's, so that uh, that is impressive and not surprising. Yeah, uh, great work by uh, great work by Peggy. Um, yeah, I could since it was suburban Scottsdale, I can imagine you were maybe the only fit person there. <laughs> No, again, there were a lot of skate kids. Um, this was all the disaffected teens. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. This is what happened uh. to me at the car seat headrest show in Olympia, Washington, that I feel like it was it, it particularly attracted the younger crowd, being as that was a smaller city and mm. the thing to do uh, if you're the all ages. Um, so there was uh, some uh, hyper-intense moshing. I don't yeah. think quite approaching JPEG Mafia, but still. Um, That's impressive because there was not really any moshing the two times I saw Carsey Headrest here in Tucson. So, uh, you know, uh, I guess the spirit uh, of Nirvana lives on. Yeah, Olympia goes hard. Um, yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed Peggy. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, let's uh, <laughs> let's talk about some albums, some new albums with absolutely no restrictions or requirement to talk about new albums we're gonna do it anyway yeah these are just some four ish albums that came out recently the best of q fuck yourself exactly (laughs) uh what do you which one do you want to listen to a sample of first joe let's spin the wheel of fuck you and pick (laughs) uh i think we should go with um uh let's let's get audio visual first Mm. um and uh Let's uh, get country for once on this podcast. Yeah, let's pick a song from uh, Sturgill Simpson's country rock anime. Sergio Simpson. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess we've done Casey Musgraves and some other country on this uh, podcast, but Joe, this was the album that made me feel like I finally had the country, albeit not really country, that I have been looking for my whole life. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this um, on this album, which I should say is the soundtrack. It's it's specifically sort of. Um, uh, Note classified as a soundtrack to this anime. That uh, wait, is it? Because I, th- I feel like it's an album that they that, that the the it's a visual accompaniment to a real album and not the reverse. I think that's what. Okay, so I think that's what it plays as because the album is so good and does I think successfully both 
follow the post-apocalyptic samurai epic of the the movie as well mm. as um reflect some real um kind of more down-to-earth country issues that sergio simpson has yeah. um uh for instance people just coming on his tour bus that he doesn't even know <laughs> <laughs> um, samurais and country stars both have that issue yeah um but he wrote a short story called sound and fury mm-hmm. and then kind of conceived of both the anime and the album yes. from that. And I think that he, he calls this the soundtrack to the movie, um, which I think as you, I read other quotes where he talked about like, I, we made the songs and then I decided let's go crazy and get the greatest animators ever to, an, to do visuals to it. I think, so, it's, who knows? I think I read some quotes where I kind of indicated to me it's probably, um uh his level of uh, dankness <laughs> influences um how much synergy he attributes to these various factors that is true uh Sturgill Simpson smoke. yes <laughs> a lot of weed definitely i mean how else could you make music this fucking awesome and weird um <coughs> uh yeah man um i just love the uh there's something about just like this completely grimy ass, um, fairly basic but grimy ass rock uh, mm. music, um, with his um, very pleasant uh, outlaw country vocals that uh, gets me going. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's great hooks throughout this album. It's very totally pure rock. Uh, you you just can't help but um, you know get kind of fist pump it, but not like party fist pumping like uh i don't know i would angry fist pumping i i would play some of this at a party not oh i would too i just mean yeah. you know you're not like uh uh there's many there's many categories of fist pumping true we need to, we need to specify <laughs> the future episode yeah um uh finally we found the opening bit gotcha. <laughs> fuck um yeah uh so um the music rules it's kind of uh you know like a lot of that same sort of sound the whole way through like a Mm -hmm. mixture of synth rock and then like just really dirty grooving uh bluesish rock with his uh country vocals but then um we should also mention that the anime uh which is available on netflix uh which is essentially to say for free Mm -hmm. um completely fucking rules yeah um yeah um if if uh it does um (laughs) I think to to stop at the music for a moment. Oh sure. Um, on on my end, I, w- I was surprised by the uh, uh, the variety of sounds that mm-hmm. that came up. Um, I really enjoyed the track uh, "Make Art Not Friends," uh, mm-hmm. which features someone skateboarding through the post nuclear or uh, through a nuclear uh, uh, cityscape, a radiated cityscape. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, there's some some Moog synthesizer on that prominently featured. Um, a really great mournful, mournful vocal melody in that too. Yeah, and then on you top get, of the rock, you get to some something uh, like Last Man Standing, uh, which is just uh, an all out banger, um, where uh, features the great line, "It's fuck all y'all season." <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I just love that turn of phrase. Uh, yeah. I absolutely want to hang out with Sturgill Simpson. He has rocked, rocketed to the top of um, uh, musicians whose uh, tour bus I would walk onto uninvited. 
um, yes. with this album. Um, which he complains about at the uh, one of the highlights of the album, a song called Mercury in Retrograde. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, just to get to what you're talking about, the anime is um, fantastic. Uh, yeah. I think led the, the lead director is uh, the lead crew and the people who made Afro Samurai, um, but then it features many guest directors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, uh, just really enjoy any uh, visual uh, work where I can see um, uh, katana swordsmiths um, f- spinning their hammers on their fingers uh, as they beat the swords into shape in time. Um, yeah, and then also some Joker-like uh, evil samurai guy killing everybody. It's great, and it's a great in- indulgence just in terms of the classic anime storyline where someone you know seems kind of defeated and. You know, there seems to be an insurmountable enemy, but then there's like yeah. someone completely badass who comes and like kills that enemy. Yes, and the enemy is like an utterly deranged psychopath um, with a lot of pageantry to back him up. Um, yes, yes, um, exactly what you want out of anime. Basically, it's like the 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 money bad guy and the like. It's like yeah, money and pestilence or money and fear, maybe. I- I don't even know. The one yeah. guy has a gun and the other one, like the Joker, blows poison gas in people's face or something um, and has a clown face. And if OK, so if you haven't seen it, maybe skip the next couple minutes um, uh-huh. because, you know, spoiler. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, just the, the way that the, the the anime is paced where you um, there's what seems like a climactic battle near the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then suddenly it's, it's, it's just over. It seems like yeah. the good guys won and there's like a dance. There's like kind of the most surreal, like thing yeah. where all the, the bad guys are dancing. Um, including like, bodybuilder babes with nothing but like nipple coverings on. Yeah. And yeah. And you're like, okay, <laughs> they skipped like the fight. They just got weird. Like that's, you know, seen plenty of yeah. stuff like that. Um, and then the credits come and this, the last song of the album, uh, is, is, called fastest horse in town it's really long and it's just complete banger building and you're really enjoying it and you know suddenly as the visuals kind of get towards the end of the credits you realize oh there's a post-credit sequence and then you realize oh yeah this is going to be the fucking awesome fight that the rest of it they just like put it at the end yeah um and uh it uh it's complete uh delightful delicious payoff Yes. Um, um, we, you have robots with one wheel and one leg. Um, you have missiles made of human bodies. Uh, I don't I don't really know how you could make better art than this, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, yeah, good stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, so. Uh, yeah, and Sergil has been a weirdo for a few albums now. This is the first one where uh, my appreciation for his music caught up to my appreciation for his persona. Um, so, uh, I hope for great things from him in the future. Um, what a dude. Yeah. Um, could not recommend this more, um, as a a fun album. Sweet. Uh, only a 7.2 at Pitchfork. Yeah, whatever. But I expect it to be number one by the end of the decade. (laughs) (laughs) I think it would have been eligible for this list we just Ah, that's true. Yeah. Man. Mm. Um, yeah, when mm-hmm. they when they redo it in twenty years, when they've completely redone their philosophy on music, um, we'll see where it lands. It's a country outlet. Yeah. Um, all right, um, Joe. Uh, 
you want to stick with the fun stuff and do some Danny Brown next? Sure. Fuck school, stole the scales out of chemistry class And made it all come back like memory lapse I'm in that Matt Black Black strap from the diplomat A weatherman in beef, I predict the vocab Sour any beat with the dirtiest vocab This was the 70s to be a savage nomad Shirtless wear the best, staying warm by burning trash Give a toe tag to a broke ass who's so fast or so cash Hope you think the talent with my resume is killer bitch That was so much pain that I don't even know what feeling is Block of boarded houses in between them lie they killing fields yeah. Through so many ways we treat that shit like it's a fire drill Mayday, mayday, sound the alarm No ice on my neck, but she love me for my charm Might snap on the weekend and sip on some X out Back up in this bitch like I just fucked my ex out My vocal take a green beret, kill the Berkeley boot the cat that was Savage Nomad by Danny Brown off You Know What I'm Saying, all one word. Um, his, uh, his, um, I guess it would be You Know Hat. I'm, never mind. Anyway. Uh, all one word, all lowercase with a uh, backwards question mark at the end. Uh, yeah, backwards, upside down. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, it's nice to hear Danny Brown sounding a little more cheery after Atrocity Exhibition, Joe. Mm-hmm. He's in a better place. It seems like it. You know, I guess he can uh, only be... Um, I guess... No, that's not true. You can be depressed for a really long time, and you can be really sad about how fucked you are for a really long time. Um, and you can even do those things as you have success. But it's nice to see that Danny Brown can, A, um, uh, move a little bit past that, and B, still make rad fucking rap music uh, when he does it. Um, yeah, Paul, uh, I'm going to go old school pitchfork with this uh-huh. fast and loose. I mean, this album is a, it's, it's a 10 for me. A 10. Uh, yeah, I really, I just really enjoyed it. Start from finish to the beginning, uh, to beginning to the end. Uh, that's not how I meant to say that. I enjoyed it start to finish from the first time I listened to it. There we go. There Nailed it go. that time. Um, and thought that, um, uh, he made Danny. He made the best album he could make here. Um, it's musical. It's adventurous. It's fun. It's funny. Uh, it's yeah. poppy. And there's still plenty of of uh, weird bits that have never happened on a rap album before. Uh, and and you add that on top of that that there's uh, that all comes together with some absolutely fantastic production. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I, executive I think, produced by Prince Paul, which is. Mm. Um, Awesome. Or no, Q-Tip. Sorry. Got a wrong Q-tip. school rapper guy. Yeah. Um, who, um, who just dropped some fantastic beats. Um, yeah, I called out the song Best Life, which has kind of a peak Kanye soul beat mm. um, that, that's just been in my head. Yeah. And then they enlisted uh, the aforementioned JPEG Mafia uh, for uh, Three Tears, which um, also features uh, Savage Beast favorites. Uh, run the jewels mm-hmm. on the mic, uh, producing some really great verses that got me hyped every time mm-hmm. I listened to it. Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, yeah, the the features are great. Uh, I thought uh, uh, the song where Peggy's on the chorus is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Blood Orange track, Shine, a lot of fun. Um, yeah. yeah, the Run the Jewels, uh, really good. Um, 
And there's that classic Danny who I think, yeah, he spends, he spends significantly less time in the doldrums. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's at his best. Uh, I, I would say that um, by the numbers, he probably uses his, uh, from his, his albums, or at least his major albums, he uses his bruiser voice the least on this. Yeah. Um, That's fair. Yes. Danny, <laughs> Danny Brown, I, I guess being the only rapper that like I listen to that has two completely different voices that he raps in. <laughs> it is funny. I, there must be somebody else. I don't know. Um, Eminem was famous for a lot of different flows, but it's not really a different voice. Yeah. Uh, um, it's, def- it's definitely maybe one you're of right. his signatures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that he's got the sort of like high pitched uh, uh, bouncy one, and then the more sort of like uh, bellowing one. Yeah, uh, you're right. That is, I hadn't thought about that. That there's nobody else like that. But you well, may th- be correct. I think I, I. It always struck me because I think I came to him through uh, our good friend uh, uh, Lyle F playing mm. us, um, uh, playing like old for me. You know, which is just yeah. all his like happy voice. And then I went back and listened to like you know um like blunt after blunt after blunt which is all like yeah. the the bruiser voice where he's just low in his register and i was like is this the same person yeah no it's wild um truly one of the great rappers of our time i'm going to see him on monday in nice. phoenix again could nice. not be more excited fortunate man yeah um i have seen and, him and, and had a a good good ass time Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, no, he just seems, you know, like pretty chill. He cut his hair. He, I think he, I saw somewhere that he fixed his teeth. He did. Yeah. Just uh, living the life, you know, being like, okay, I made it. And uh, I'm going to mm-hmm. keep doing good stuff, though. Uh, so all respect to Danny Brown. And uh, hopefully I have a report of a wild, if hopefully, maybe not quite as wild show uh on danny brown for next time around a little more tame probably he's an older man um yeah uh you know 10 i don't know i I, just because um i love all of danny brown and this one is like just right up there with all of his other stuff for me Mm -hmm. but um uh, i respect that and uh it's a nice bite-sized 34 minutes of completely excellent um rap you know uh, it was funny i was reading uh, micah peters of the ringer who was a fine soccer commentator and uh music commentator uh wrote uh, an article about this album and uh he a couple different times referred to how on this album danny brown is uh rapping comma like rapping rapping um and you know micah is a little bit younger than us and uh it just made me sad that that's a distinction that has to be made in this, uh, this SoundCloud day and age mm. um, that uh, uh, rapping is no longer uh, can no longer be taken for granted as rapping. Um, but yeah, thank what, God Danny Brown is still out there doing it. What's what's like non rapping rapping like Drake? like that sort of like, no, no, Drake is definitely a rapper. But like that sort of sing songy mumble rap thing that uh, is always going on, uh, you know, like you're. Uh, XXX Tentacion or your mm. uh, your little uh, whatever noun you want to put after the word little um, uh, guy on SoundCloud, um, little baby, um, which is the funniest name still. <laughs> 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 this guy actually calls himself little baby. 
<laughs> um, <coughs> so uh, gonna would be another example. I don't know. Um, just things where it's a little bit more like uh, a little bit halfway towards singing and they're not like really rapping that well. I and mean, the funny thing is that most of these guys are doing these uh, punchline raps uh, like Danny Brown does, where it's just like he sort of sets you up on one line and then lands a hilarious double entendre on the next. Um, and uh, uh, when you listen to those guys, I'm usually like, that is the stupidest fucking joke. And then it's like just bad stand up. And then you hear Danny Brown do it and you're like, yes, when when it's in the hands of a master, this style uh, absolutely works. I didn't mm-hmm. uh, I neglected like a bad critic to look up some examples of uh danny brown's great punchline so um i'm actually going to try to see if i can find some by just pulling up a song at random on genius oh yeah it's going to be full of them yeah let's see what we got um did you have any of those written down joe you know it's funny i i didn't i enjoyed the songs um yeah let's see let's just try this one i enjoyed them so much that i didn't like quite get into that yeah um, but i'm gonna look at to best life which is a song i called up um, <laughs> i'm just trying to hear the beat like the stethoscope nice like mm-hmm. my bass line's thick like a texas hoe uh yeah that's decent um a demon on the hunt for the succubus yeah, do, 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 do. I don't know. Um, there definitely have to be. Um, oh man, there's a total uh, call out to do to Doom in his album mm, Food. Um, yes. Oh, that's from LP. Mm. That's from LP. Never mind. Um, not that there's anything wrong with LP doing that. Um, yeah. No. Um, this is the worst podcasting ever. So anyway, uh, next time around, I will, uh, if necessary, uh, provide some good examples. But Danny Brown, as always, a witty dude. Um, yes. Uh, I like a, a single line. Doesn't even mm-hmm. need a second line. It's not supposed to be here, dead, like Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> For some reason, that's funny. Um, that's beautiful. He's a he's a beautiful man. He really he is. makes he makes beautiful, beautiful music. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, um, Danny, good job. Let's let's um, let's move on. Once there was a song, a song yearned to be sung It was a spinning song about the king of rock and roll
The king was first a young prince, the prince was the best. With his black jelly hair, he crashed onto a stage in Vegas. The king had a queen, the queen's hair was a stairway. She tended the castle garden, and in the garden planted a tree. The garden tree was a stairway, it was sixteen branches high. On the top branch was a nest, sing the high cloudy nest. In the nest there was a bird, the bird had a wing, the wing had a feather, spin the feather and sing the wind. Right, that was just a sample from the first track of uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds' epic new album, Ghost Teen, um, which um, is all as sad as that, pretty much, um, because it's about uh, his um, dead teenage child who died in a car crash, I believe, um, as narrated in some of the tracks. Um Nick Cave has always been sort of a blind spot for me. I don't know about you, Joe. Is that the case? Uh, yes, it has absolutely been the case. Yeah. And, you know, I've liked what I've listened to of him. Um, his uh, comrade, Warren Ellis, um, did the soundtrack to one of my favorite movies, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. And that is one of the few soundtracks I would actually enjoy listening to on its own. It's uh, amazingly good. Um but uh, this dude has been making music for like 40 years now and um, uh, is uh, definitely deserves more attention for somebody with my taste uh, than I have given him, especially after listening to this. Um, this is one of those weird works of art that is um, uh, able to be uh, completely sad and... Um, not even really trying to like uh uh be anything other than sad um and um yet completely avoids being maudlin or um uh stupid but is in fact as affecting as it wants to be which i think is actually a pretty rare thing and yet uh the first time i listened to it i was just like yeah damn um <laughs> i feel i feel uh some uh, pale shadow of his pain at losing his child um just listening to this and um uh damn i don't know did you have the same reaction joe uh well i don't think i i guess i didn't know the the backstory to the album yeah that's um, fine you at all have to. um uh yeah uh it was to me definitely uh completely unexpected uh the sonic depth of it and the originality mm -hmm. um the way that it had this uh sort of uh searching 80s mm -hmm. uh, oscillation that sort of permeated the whole album um i was uh just 
almost more surprised the first time I listened to it, uh, how, um, how much it was committed to that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, uh, also, um, it's not without totally without precedent. I mean, there's, there's Seeger Rose and even some of, uh, Sufjan's more experimental stuff, um, mm-hmm. kind of touches on the same points. Um, yeah, and he, I think Nick Cave kind of, he brings his status as a rock elder the same way that, like, Roger Waters would to talk about mm-hmm. something very serious um, and, to, and to exercise control uh, over every second of the music, yeah. um, which is which is really evident. Um, the other touch point, which I think I mentioned to you, is uh, David Bowie's last album, Black Star. I got a lot of the same vibe from that of just confronting death type of thing. Totally. Yes. Um, that, uh, that was there in this, um, and, and again, that elder. Yeah, rock exactly. Statement, um, is just evident within the music. I, again, you don't really need to know anything about Nick cave to kind of hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, like you said, that eighties thing you mentioned, I mean, he, you know, sort of came up in the eighties and, uh, uh, it definitely has that sort of um, that sort of synthy um, and uh, you know like art '80s vibe. I guess it's hard to say exactly to to describe it much more than that. But just like dirge like um, yet also futuristic ish uh, a little bit. And um, uh, man, just uh, such a trip. Um, I actually. I ordered the double vinyl, but it's uh, not actually uh, being done. Uh, it's not actually done being made yet, I don't think, because they're not shipping it for another couple weeks. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. But um, yeah, it's a long album. You go through uh, over 68 minutes of it. And then um, at the very end, um, did you read the lyrics uh, to the last, uh, to the parable at the end, Joe? I did not. All right. I'm actually going to read them just because, um, so again, this is a whole, you've listened already to an hour of this guy singing about, uh, pretty explicitly about his real life heartbreak about, uh, his son not showing up cause he died in a car wreck. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, fell and, off. yeah, yeah. He fell and off a cliff, th- but, oh, okay. Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um, uh, and, uh, so then we get to the end and this is the last couple verses, um, it all of a sudden shifts into, um, without sort of warning, into uh, a parable that um, I think uh, I read was Tibetan or something. At any rate, it is um, from the Buddhist culture in some country. Um, Kisa had a baby, but the baby died. Goes to vill- villagers, says, my baby's sick. Villagers shake their heads and say to her, better bury your baby in the forest quick. Um, and then the next verse. Kisa went to the mountain and asked the Buddha, my baby's sick. Buddha said, don't cry. Go to each house and collect a mustard seed, but only from a house where no one's died. Kisa went to each house in the village. My baby's getting sicker, poor Kisa cried. But Kisa never collected one mustard seed because every house, someone had died. Kisa sat down in the old village square. She hugged her baby and cried and cried. She said, everybody is always losing somebody, then walked into the forest and buried her child. Mm. yeah so that gives you just an idea of like i don't know it's just like such a devastating story and then the way he does it with his voice and that music is incredible yeah agreed um 
I think I would classify this album, you know, as it, with that intensity of emotion, um, as something that I just I'm just not gonna listen to <laughs> again anytime soon. And I guess you know I don't necessarily mean that. It's yeah. hard for me to to under to like to kind of categorize that as either a positive or a negative statement. It's just, kind I know of, exactly what you're saying. Though. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, and, and there's certainly other works of art that are like that, whether they mm-hmm. be movies or books where you're like, okay, you know, it was, it was, it was good to have experienced this. Um, and, but I think for an, uh, but it's not something that I'm going to go back to. Any, you're not putting soon. this on in the background. Yeah. Um, uh, which is, you know, and that's that may be rarer for a a, a good uh, a good album than it is for other kinds of art to be like, okay, I only needed to hear that once or twice, um, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, for me, I mean, my favorite kinds of art are the things that have this intense emotional aspect to them, mm. and I totally agree. I um, go out of my way to avoid. Um, oversaturating myself with them mostly so that when I do go back, the power is still there. Um, uh, but yeah, I would never, I would, this is the kind of thing that has, I don't know, for me, it's almost a sacred quality that I wouldn't want to, uh, fuck with by, um, approaching it unprepared, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's more that I don't like really, uh, like, I think when an album is like that, like when a, an album of music, an album of music as opposed to an album of photographs, <laughs> um, I think when there's an album like that, as opposed to like a, a movie or a, a novel, um, I'm just less, I see the utility of that uh, a little less, mm. but that's more about my relationship to music than it is about uh, yeah. my relationship to art. See that's so. interesting because my relationship to music is such that that is those are the things I like the best. Yeah, um, I mean compared to something like I mean Kid A, which we talked about, where it's like I'm not like afraid to put that on when I'm in the right state of mind. Uh, interesting. See, I would put this in a category sort of with Kid A of how I approach that. Yeah. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, to me, it'd be very, very different kind of statements. Hmm. I mean, yes, but the same thing of like I. I'm going to sit down and take this serious thing seriously, I guess. Um, yeah, but, but how yeah. many how many times have you listened to Kid A? Well, so Kid A is a weird uh, choice just because the, when it came out, I didn't listen to anything else for a week. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, since then, it's actually rare that I sit down and listen to Kid A. Um, uh, I should do that with my new headphone system because i don't think i have actually there you go yeah um no it's a it's an event for me to do that uh kind of thing yeah it's an intro well yeah it's like a set right and they would still describe it as like a, sometimes i sit down and listen to that as an event anyway perhaps we're yeah. more talking about like what wh- how some music is truly like a rare event versus something where it's like we treat it with sort of a more yeah uh, familiar yeah i mean like so something great like you know run the jewels three like (coughs) not really any worse than these other albums you know certainly for some people but um uh i don't need to like 
prepare my soul to listen to Run the Jewels 3. <laughs> yes, totally, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah. Um, so if you're into that kind of um, very serious uh, art statement that somehow um, doesn't become ridiculous because of its seriousness, uh, I recommend Ghost Teen by Nick Cave. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And... Uh, yeah. Damn, we're not done. No, final. Uh, our final thing is the. It's essentially a double album, you could almost say, from uh, uh, indie darlings of the past few years, including this podcast. From the start, mm-hmm. we were there. Big Thief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Paul. Let's. Um, uh, they have two albums that we're going to talk about: UFOF and Two Hands. Mm-hmm. Um. I'd like to listen to something from Two Hands. I'm going to go with Forgotten Eyes. Let's do it. Great song. I want to note that their number one song on Spotify is Paul. Uh, yes. Uh, many I've seen many Pauls be thankful <laughs> for having an excellent song. I had, an, I had an ex send me that song recently, noting how perfect it was to describe our situation, and I actually agreed with her when I read the lyrics. So. Mm. There you go. There you go. It's good to have that ex listening to the <laughs> It's hilarious. It's pretty funny. Uh, I don't know if she listens to the podcast, so we'll see if she mentions this. Anyway, um, here we go. From the album Two Hands, uh, Big Thief's uh, second uh, outstanding album of the year. Uh, we're talking about both of those albums right now. Um, mm-hmm. I just say Paul with a uh, with a, um, a a mastery of uh, what makes a good and thoughtful pop rock song um, called from several different decades uh big thief has um just through grit and grind uh worked their way to kind of be at the top of the current indie rock moment Um, yeah and i think i think you would have to say they are the it indie band of 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 our times right now uh with yeah with songs that are simultaneously very 
uh, quiet, introspective, kind of uh, celestially weird, and mm-hmm. also uh, extremely kind of catchy, and with a um, you know a, an emo ethos to yeah. some of them. Um, it's it's really a, a kind of a it's a, it's an effect that that captures you several different ways absolutely um it's truly amazing looking at what they've accomplished uh since sort of like you know um uh i guess it's not weird that i hadn't heard of them before 2016's masterpiece um but they released that and then uh on this podcast we marveled when almost exactly a year later they released capacity and it was also excellent we were like wow an indie band releasing uh uh going only one year between albums Mm -hmm. and uh that's crazy and then they didn't release a big thief album in 2018 but they did release uh adrian linker's solo album um i believe that was during that year very very good yes which is all practically a big thief album in terms of what you get out of it anyway um and then two fucking great albums this year um these guys are putting uh, all the other indie rockers to shame, mm-hmm. if you ask me. Um, yes. Get in the fucking studio. Um, the uh, And what's great is that they've been awesome since the very beginning. I mean, the first time I heard like just like one of their songs by itself, I was like, this is really good. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think they're even better now. I think Two Hands might be my favorite release of theirs. Um, yeah, same. I think it's I think it's pretty uh <coughs> clearly the best um their best album. Yeah. Um if you recall when we were doing our best of the quarter things, you had capacity on your list uh for that quarter. I, I might sure have had did. it as well. Um and I had I think actually I avoided it because I knew you were going to have it and I lodged the completely um uh overblown complaint that uh, for me, it was just like a little too mannered. I, might, I think I might have even used that word. Mm-hmm. Um, a little too uh, just like, you know, uh, very neatly played. Mm-hmm. Um, no rock messiness or uh, not as much uh, soul in the instrumentation as I wanted. Obviously, the lyrics have always been really powerful. Um, that problem is definitely, such as it was, it's not a real problem, uh, is definitely not present anymore because like, uh this is like um i don't know it feels like just a really great band that totally knows how to play together now um and is super organic um in the way that uh a great rock band should be and um like you said sort of moved beyond genre the Mm -hmm. i think pitchfork had them labeled as um uh folk rock on the first uh album let's see what they if they what label they put on two hands Nope, just rock now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, just absolutely fantastic. Um, at times, like you said, sort of poppy. At times, sort of just plain rocking uh, indie music at its yeah. purest. Yes. Um, and uh, it, yeah, the, they're, they're genre busting, uh, or at least sub-genre busting. Yeah. Um, you know, categorization is sort of indicative of what makes them such a great 
uh, rock band because you're not like, okay, this is derivative. This is like of the moment. Um, It's just uh, a a totally new um, thought within as as a subgenre i'm not gonna say they're reinventing the wheel but they're 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 driving somewhere we haven't been before i agree yeah i don't i can't think of any other bands that they sound like in their fully realized form other than just like there is that sort of like there's a little bit of indie jangle but that's Mm -hmm. about it you know yeah and i think there's there's some george harrison Ah, to it yeah that 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 like um you know, it's not this, the spiritual aspect isn't quite, they're not wearing that on their sleeve quite as much. Um, but there's definitely a, kind of a shared purpose there a little bit. Yeah. Um, I thought their early stuff, uh, I, I heard a little, um, Pisces era smashing pumpkins Ooh. start me with the 62nd. <laughs> um, uh, just in their way to sort of take a sort of lo-fi, uh, almost empty sounding, uh, you know, part of a song and then transition immediately to something that was, you know, wild mm. and intense and distorted. Um, that, that was either, not a comparison that occurred to me, but I think I can see it. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that, that was true a little, you know, on some of their earlier stuff, but uh, a little more, but I think they do, um, uh, they have some '90s influences that are uh, subtle but real um, within some. You know, I'd, I'd say the the backbone of what they do is maybe a little older than that. Um, Fair enough. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, and we should also mention UFOF. Like the uh, first track on that. What is the name of that track? Um, erupts into a fucking fantastic guitar solo mm-hmm. at the end, which ends up being a fake out because the rest of the album is very contact is the name of that song mm. the rest of the album is very quiet and melodic but um then um i like to think of these all as a double album almost because then you get some more of that on two hands mm-hmm. um including the track not which is yes. a fantastic rock song yeah um great breakdown at the end oh my god just the whole thing um and i also want to mention um adrian uh she um has always been a superb lyricist. Um, and she does, she uses her voice effectively, but she's not like uh, actually like an accomplished technical singer, Mm-mm. but her range seems pretty limited. But uh, I feel like more and more with each one, she figures out uh, how to use it really effectively um, and uh, is a great vocalist at this point, regardless of um, uh, ability to win American Idol. Um, totally. So, uh, yeah. Uh, what a great band! It's just really fun to watch a band in like three years fucking become amazing, you know? Yeah, yeah, and be that. Yeah, it's 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 awesome. It's awesome that a rock band can still do that. Um, among the like five people that still, yeah, like rock music, we're very mm-hmm. grateful. Absolutely. I also want to say thank you to them for uh, the gift that you missed out on, um, which is because I ordered the vinyl of UFOF. Uh, they sent me their little uh, two-track um, uh, vinyl uh, single, basically, uh, with no label that just showed up on my doorstep um, mm. with no explanation or anything. And I had to play it and be like, I think this sounds like Big Thief um, to figure out what was going on. 
Oh uh, yeah, I guess we'll have to go to Discogs and yep. buy it after the fact. Um, yeah, sh- I mean, shout out to uh, shout out to bands that uh, still act like people care. Yeah. Oh my god, what a good band. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's just all I have to say about it. Um, and um, yeah, and I I do. The one thing is that you know we've. You, they made a point of not. They, you know, it was interesting to to read how they very much did not want to make a double album, mm. like, and that they kind of they they said their their label was very supportive of it, but they had to like talk to them and kind of you know work that out. That they're like, you know, they had this much material. And like mm. I would say, record because they started recording this as soon as they finished their recording their last album, and they were like, "We're going to record another album. We're not just recording a double album." Um, I mean, that's a good idea, just because. I mean, uh, even I am at the point where I find it exhausting to listen to an album longer than fifty minutes. Mm. So uh, I appreciate them releasing it into uh, meal size forty minute chunks, um, but it does still feel. Uh, it's sort of like the best of both worlds. It feels like you got uh, two discs that go together, you know? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, closing point is uh, these albums uh, really work at all times of the day. I've listened to them mm. walking to work in the rain and also like kind of late at night um, and every, you know, in and several times in between and their their versatility is yeah. impressive that makes sense they're pretty they're emotional mm-hmm. they're fun you know great great drumming on all this uh these albums um i uh i totally buy that 10.0s just 10.0s yes for all across these the boards yep we got we got uh Sturgill gets a nine and a half from me but the rest mm-hmm. are 10.0s um all right joe do you have any final thoughts at the end of this um relatively yeah it's about the right length podcast pisces iscariot 10.0 yeah oh no question <laughs> greatest b-side collection ever who could mm-hmm. even contest that um and uh although actually jeff rosenstock just released a big b-side collection i'm excited to listen to that yeah now i have to think about other b-side collections well well nirvana's yeah, incesticide is the other famous one from our area era pa- yeah past masters is like a singles collection not a b-side collection yeah no 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 we need the 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 extra tracks just b-sides yeah yeah mm. um yeah well uh if you want to listen to the b-sides of savage beast you can go um, fuck yourself. Yeah, you can steal my computer. <laughs> <laughs> For that and one episode we never released. You can listen to all the racist shit that Paul says that I have to cut. <laughs> I know. I really, really have it in for the Chileans. Yes. Um. <laughs> Man, Paul hates <laughs> Paul hates La- La- Laotian people. <laughs> the Hmong um, uh. have some legitimate beefs with the Laotian uh, ethnicities, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're all mung, <laughs> all mung, <laughs> all the time. Uh, anyway, um, that's that's one to add to the list. Anyway, um, if you want to get in touch with us, we have our uh, Instagram at Savage Pod, also Twitter, same thing. 
subjectspod at gmail.com. And uh, we would love to hear from you, especially if you wanted to do it via review on iTunes or whatever they call it now, Apple Podcasts. So thanks, everybody. Uh, yeah, thank you. And thanks to us uh, uh-huh. for being... For being what Pitchfork doesn't have the courage to be anymore. Yeah, for not being cri- and and for not being critics. We're not critics. We're not enthusiasts. Yeah, we're just plain elitists. There you go. 